Reading this morning is taken from the book of Acts, chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered round him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. This is the word of the Lord. If you've been here in the evening or midweek, you'll know what this stool is for. I've had a bit of vertigo since Easter, and every now and then just feel a little bit wobbly. So this is my firm foundation. Uh, as we're thinking about firm foundations uh, this week, let's pray that the Lord will speak to us. How we praise you, Lord, for the faith of Thomas Bromley, the vicar of St. Mary's 150 years ago, and the people in this town who gave generously for this church to be built and then for the living church, your people, to be gathered here. For all those who have been baptised here in the 150 years since then, for all who've grown in their faith and encountered you, for all who've been equipped to live for you and been sent out from this place right around the world. We pray afresh today that you, the living Lord, will come by your Holy Spirit and speak to us. Deepen our foundations individually as your people. And as a church, prepare us for what you have in store for us next. So speak, we pray. We invite you in Jesus' name. Amen. For those who are used to collecting children at 10 to 12, I've done a deal with the children's groups. We're finishing at 12 today, just so you know, so you don't start getting fidgety and anxious. 
thinking, how on earth is Jonathan going to preach for only 10 minutes and it will be over? But uh, we've done a deal, we'll finish at 12, so it's, it's okay. And uh, we're, in good, we're in good time. So what a wonderful celebration. Uh, it's lovely to have a sort of double celebration this year and next year. Uh, in case you've missed it, our foundation stone was laid 150 years ago. If you want to see it, it's just outside the door there. They dug the foundations, then they laid the stone. They started the work back in February 1873. They laid the stone. A great gathering, we read, was there uh, as the stone was laid above ground level so we can, we can read it on Ascension Day 1873. And then the very first service in this place, Ascension Day, 1874. So next year, this time next year, I think Ascension Day will be a week earlier next year, 40 days after Easter, um, we will be celebrating 150 years since the first service. So this weekend's kind of a dummy run uh, for next year, just, just warming up the joy. If Carolyn could barely contain herself for the prayers, heaven knows what she'll be like next year. Anyway, that's, that's where we're heading. And we've had this wonderful reading of Acts chapter 1 of Jesus' actual ascension. And we've called this weekend Firm Foundations, and we've called this talk, this sermon, Firm Foundations. Uh, and there are three firm foundations for us in our Christian life that I want to remind you about. And these two are part of what's wired into this building. Outside on the wall out there in Norman Warren's time, uh, the church put three symbols that were essential to the Christian faith. They're what they symbolize. There's a cross, there's uh, a Bible, and there's... The Holy Spirit, the dove representing the Holy Spirit. Uh, and I thought, I just want to preach about those three. And perhaps as I, I haven't got loads of verses for you today, it's just the passage from today, we'll leave the symbol up. So first of all, if we can put the cross up there. Now, the beginning of Acts 1, this is Luke writing. Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke. He starts off the Gospel of Luke telling Theophilus what he's doing. Uh, and in Acts chapter 1, he's writing for this same man. We don't know whether Theophilus was an actual man. It means God lover, whether he was kind of Luke's sponsor, or whether it was just generally to anyone who is a lover of God, uh, which is certainly the case for the Scriptures. Uh, but he writes, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. Well, the heart of what Jesus did on earth was his death on the cross for us. He came, he lived for 30 years, an obscure life, and then three years of public ministry, uh, teaching about the love of God, demonstrating the love of God in practical ways, healing, caring, loving, challenging unjust authority, uh, but supremely dying on the cross. When the disciples understood who he was in the sort of hinge point of the Gospels, we read that from that point on, Jesus started explaining to them that the Son of Man would go to the cross, that he would be killed, and he would rise again. And Jesus kept explaining this, and they just didn't get it. But this was the heart of what he had come to do, to die on the cross for our sins. So the baptisms we've celebrated this morning, the water is a picture of being washed clean and Jesus enables us to be washed clean because on the cross he paid the price for the sin of the whole world. Now I could preach a whole sermon on that one, but uh, that, can, that can come for another time. But that is foundational. But he didn't stay dead, he rose again. 
So we like the crosses in our church to be empty crosses. If you get a crucifix, it reminds you of the crucifixion, but it doesn't also remind you of the resurrection. So we prefer our crosses, like the big one on the wall at the front on the left there, to be empty. They remind us that Jesus died for our sin and that he rose again. He didn't stay on that cross. As we said in the creed, he descended to hell, but on the third day he was raised to new life. He said that was what would happen, and that is what happened. And he had finished that part of his ministry. So when Luke writes that uh, he wrote in his gospel about all that Jesus began to do and teach, the implication is there's a lot more that Jesus was doing since then. Uh, but this marked a step change for Jesus. He had finished that part of the work. The price for sin is paid. One of the great challenges in the Christian faith is actually receiving that forgiveness, choosing to believe it and knowing it deep down. And there may be some here today who think, well, I know I'm generally forgiven, but I'm not really sure about that. That was too bad. Uh, that's a lie. The evil one would love to whisper in your ear, yes, everybody else is forgiven, but of course you did that and that's too bad. That is not true. Jesus died on the cross for all the sin of the world, including yours. And if you're struggling to receive that forgiveness, please do come and receive prayer. It may be after the service you want to receive prayer, or it may be you want to talk with one of us in the church and receive prayer, or go to the well. Uh, but sometimes when we're struggling to receive this, when particular things have happened, we need others to pray with us. Because the truth is, the price for sins has been paid. Jesus finished that work. It was done. And when he rose to new life, it was a sign that that sacrifice for sin was fully accepted, as it were. Jesus is part of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And from all eternity, this had been the plan, that they'd give us free will, that yes, they knew we would use it a wrong and turn away from God, we would sin. But then that Jesus would pay the price for our sin. Some of the church fathers said, in one sense, it's a good thing we sinned because we know how much more God loves us. If we'd never sinned, we'd never have understood it so much. That's in one sense. Our sin is, of course, never a good thing. But we know how much God loves us. And that is foundational, that Jesus died on the cross, that he rose again. And it's the pattern for our life as Christians. Our purpose in this church as it's written up here, is to follow Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. But Jesus leads us to walk the way of the cross in giving and sacrificing for others. So that's the first symbol. It's foundational. We need to know we are forgiven. We need to know Jesus is risen, and we choose to walk his way. Uh, the second symbol is a symbol of a Bible. Now, various people have said, be good if we got that patched up a bit, wouldn't it? It's sort of rusting a bit. Well, I quite like a used Bible. My Bibles are a bit scruffy and used. Uh, as it was said years ago, if a Bible's well used, the devil's not amused. <laughs> and uh, if you've used your scripture, if you have pristine Bibles, what a shame. They're meant to be read and understood and taken in. So I don't mind the fact that the Bible looks a bit ragged because in this church we've been using the scriptures well for years. Having said that, I'd be very happy if there was a new, uh, an, up, an upgrade maybe for 150. Who knows? There's a challenge for Paul. We'll see, see if we can get an upgrade for next year. But here are the scriptures given to us as we believe the word of the Lord. 
when Jonathan read the reading. He said, this is the word of the Lord. We said, thanks be to God. And this is a matter of faith as well. We can't prove to you scientifically that this is God's word any more than we can prove to you that Jesus is who he claimed to be. But we believe that when Jesus claimed to be God in human form, he demonstrated that supremely through his resurrection. And Jesus gave his authority to the scriptures. He submitted to the Old Testament. Amazing. God incarnate. Didn't say, yes, I know it said that then, but they got it a bit wrong, let me tell you. He said, in an argument, what does the scripture say? That settles it. And let me help you understand it more. And then he gave his authority to his apostles. Uh, he said, the Holy Spirit will come on you and guide you into all truth and equip them for writing the New Testament. And when the early church fathers were trying to work out, there were obviously lots of writings about Jesus. What goes into the canon of Scripture and what doesn't? They wanted to know, does this come from the apostles? Is it, is it right from the apostles? And so Matthew was part of Jesus' apostles. Mark was Peter's nephew who wrote down what Peter, Peter's eyewitness reminiscences. Luke was a companion of Paul the Apostle who went and interviewed everybody personally as part of that apostolic band. John the Apostle, Paul wrote half of it. But that was basically the test. And the worldwide church ever since then has trusted that this is the word of the Lord. Uh, not perfectly, and in the West today we live in an era when the church is having a little wobble as to whether this really is the word of the Lord. But in this church... We believe, together with the vast majority of Christians around the whole world, that what this says is the word of the Lord. This is foundational. So when our thinking contradicts Scripture, well, we can't have understood the Scriptures properly. We want to understand it better. None of us understands it perfectly, but this is foundational. And we will base our life and our conduct on what we believe God teaches through his word. So there's a second foundational element. And then the third uh, one of our symbols out on the wall outside is this dove, an uh, ancient symbol of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus was baptized, uh, we read that a dove came down. The Holy Spirit came like a dove on him. And he heard the voice of the Father, you are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. And our prayer for our candidates who are baptized today and for the whole church is that the Holy Spirit will come afresh and help us to know, to know deeply the Father's love for us. Baptism literally means immersion. That's why we baptize by immersion. And we pray that we would be immersed in the love of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So Luke tells us at the beginning of Acts that my former book, Luke's Gospel, was what Jesus began to do. That deals with the cross and the resurrection. Then we read, going on after this, that Jesus presented himself to them over 40 days and he taught them. And we have so much of a record of that teaching in our scriptures. But then he goes on to say, wait. He didn't tell them how long they'd have to wait. It turned out to be 10 days till the day of Pentecost. But they didn't know. Uh, they say this. Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. 
And so the book of the Acts of the Apostles tells that story of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost, 10 days later, in Jerusalem, and the birth of the church in Jerusalem. And then how the disciples were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. And it finishes with the gospel reaching Rome, uh, not quite the full ends of the earth, but the picture is clear. Well, we praise God in this church that the gospel kept spreading from Rome, that Paul took the gospel into Europe in Philippi, and it's been passed on down the years till when it came to us. Uh, and this church was built 150 years ago. And God has gone on spreading the gospel from here in Leamington and further afield and indeed to the ends of the earth. We have uh, mission partners all over the world. Teresa Wilson, who is a student here, is a mission partner out in the Ninigo Islands off Papua New Guinea. That is pretty much the ends of the earth from here. Or Dan Castle has just been on a gap year out in New Zealand, then to Vanuatu, then a boat to a tiny island that's almost inaccessible. That's pretty much the ends of the earth. So the Lord has been spreading the gospel right to the ends of the earth. And it's our prayer here that he will continue to do that. Uh, our vision, we've, we've reworked our purpose as a church to follow Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. And we believe God's given us a 10-year vision to work towards, uh, as Carolyn was praying to that earlier together with others in other churches in this area, to give everyone in this area, and it will slightly depend how many others want to work with us, to give everyone in the area a meaningful opportunity to respond to the good news of Jesus. Not just a quick hit and run. It usually takes us a while to hear the gospel several times, to wrestle with it on an alpha course or growing up or to read or to talk, but to give everyone a meaningful opportunity. That will take time to respond to the good news of Jesus within the next 10 years, by Easter 2033. We've picked that date together with all sorts of organizations around the world because it is the 2000th anniversary of the resurrection by our calendar. By our calendar, Jesus was born between BC and AD. Historians say it's probably a few years out, but by our calendar, that's when it was. He was 30 when he started his public ministry. Uh, he went to the cross and rose again three years later. So Easter 2033 will be, by our calendar, the 2000th anniversary of the resurrection. And our vision is for everyone in this area to have an opportunity to respond to that good news. That is a big task. But it's much smaller than the task that Jesus gave the whole church of reaching the whole world. Well, of course, there's more to do. And this is our part of it. And we're excited to see how God's going to do it. Because in our own strength, that can't happen. But it can happen as God pours his Holy Spirit on us and, as his, and his people in this area. We're starting to network and work together better with church leaders in the area uh, and working out, well, how can we do this? I'm really looking forward to seeing how God will lead us. Uh, we don't expect him to give us a big blueprint. If you read the Acts of the Apostles, the Holy Spirit leads what they're to do next, and they do that, and then what to do next after that, and they do that. But this is the goal. Some of you will be called much further afield to the ends of the earth. Some of you will be called very much to Leamington and to the workplaces where you are. And all of us have a part to play in this. But it only comes as we're filled by the Spirit of God, immersed in the love of God, assured of the love of God the Father. That's what baptism's about. Wonderful to be reminded of it. I hope you got flicked with the water, that, uh, uh, as Andy was saying, just to reconnect with our, with our baptism. Uh, of the love of God. But then the Holy Spirit fills us with power so we can 
witness. And I thought it would be good to pray together at the end of our service now for the Lord to come afresh by his spirit in power upon us and on all his people in this area. Uh, so if the band would come back ready to lead us uh, in song in a moment, uh, let me explain for visitors among us, I'll, in a moment I'll invite you to stand and we'll pray that God would come by his Holy Spirit and we'll be still for a minute or two. Who knows what the Lord may want to do in you? For some he may convict of sin that needs to be repented of. When God convicts us, it's so he can forgive us and get that dealt with. If any of you feel a blanket condemnation that I'm rubbish, that's not from God, that's from the evil one, and we resist that. The truth is you're made by God, you're loved by God. Yes, life is broken and spoilt because we've gone our own way. But Jesus paid the price for our forgiveness. He offers his spirit to help us know that and fill us with power to live for him. Uh, and who knows what he will do among us. So let's stand and I'll lead in a prayer and we'll wait on him before we sing again. So dear Lord Jesus, how we praise you for your love for us. For the love of God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit that so loved the world that Jesus came. That whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. How we praise you for the love that led you to be born at Bethlehem to die upon the cross at Calvary for our sins. How we praise you that you are risen and ascended and glorified and sitting at the right hand of the Father, praying for us, pouring out your Holy Spirit. We pray now, pour out your Spirit on us afresh here at St. Paul's, on those who are watching online, on our brothers and sisters in other churches in this area. Indeed, on your whole church throughout the world, but especially, come Holy Spirit and minister to us here today. Let's be still. Some of you might want to ask, Lord, help me know your love to be real. Some of you may be wondering if it's true, like Jamie said, coming to Alpha and asking questions and just making sense of life, maybe deciding to come and find out. For many of us, we've renewed our baptism vows and sung that hymn, Take My Life, but just in the quietness, making that offer afresh to the Lord. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would put people on our mind for us to show your love to, or particular areas or networks of people you would have us witness to you. And we pray, equip us with the power of the Holy Spirit to minister in this day and age, this day that by and large has turned its back on you. Come Holy Spirit and fill us afresh and release a, a new season of sharing the good news of Jesus 
of evangelism in appropriate ways for our day. Fill us to overflowing with love for you. And all these things we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our living Lord. Amen. Amen. Some of you will want to receive prayer afterwards and our prayer team will be available at the front on the right. We'd love to pray with anyone for any reason. We're going to finish our service by singing that great hymn about God's love for us. Amazing grace, amazing undeserved love that saved a wretch like me. Each of us knows what we've got wrong. It is all forgiven and washed clean. Uh, and as some of our candidates were saying, there's not only grace and joy now, we look forward to the day of eternal life when we've been there 10,000 years and so on. So let's sing together as we close.